everyone back again to the kind mess podcast the podcast where we talk about our messy lives as human beings and the skills and practices that help us to navigate those ups and downs uh we're joined today by travis i don't know much about travis i'm very excited he says he's listened to the show which means there's at least one person that's not my mum or family listening to the show (laughs) and uh and he has told me so far that he's a tradie who owns a gym but i'm very curious to find out a bit more about him and also having a guy on the show which is good uh we've had quite a lot of girls on and it's good to get a male voice on the show so welcome to the show travis thank you very much for having me guys Yay. Trav, I feel like sharing the origin story of the meeting between you and I. It's nice when you randomly connect with someone and sort of have a shared perspective that resonates. So to put this in perspective for the listeners, I sort of started chatting away with Trav after meeting through a mutual friend jumped in the car and that was when I immediately called you, Jaddles, and went, oh, I've got another dude for the podcast and super exciting. So, brother, for our listeners, you you do wear a number of hats. How do you describe uh, what you do? Well, I um, I suppose my professional life, um, I've been a tradie who's just moved into doing curtains and blinds um installing curtains and blinds and during the course of uh during the course of covid decided that he might buy an f45 franchise because that would be a great thing to do um (laughs) on the on the on the uh the personal side of where i you know where i suppose i'm i'm uh coming into the podcast i um i'm someone who may have uh gone along the road and had some bumps along that road and uh, I suppose through positivity and um, uh, I suppose finding, yeah, a bit of mindfulness and, and um, being grateful to some of the great humans in my life um, who may have saved me along the way, I suppose, and my uh, close-knit ties with um, with footy and, and the footy club and, and wanting to be the best human I can and repay some of the people who have helped me along the way. I try and uh, do a lot of stuff with mental health and, um, you know, uh, I get a lot of gratitude from uh, from helping people, I suppose. And, um, yeah, I suppose that's where I'm at. I find, for me, a lot of the most impactful healers in my life or those that have influenced me to help myself have been those that have sort of experienced a bumpy ride, experienced pain. That uh, there's there's a certain authenticity that that one exudes when one has sort of experienced the, the the inevitable downs, mate. To whatever level that you're comfortable, can you share some of your insights? I suppose if you want to get into the nuts and bolts of my story, I'll keep it as brief as I can. But I suppose um, 
I had uh, a rough uh, relationship with my my ex. Uh, this is going back roughly 2013, 2014. Um, a bit of a toxic relationship, which um, caused me through um, guilt and and uh, and shame and feeling I was the the bad bad egg in uh, or got made to feel that I was a bad egg in the relationship. Um, sort of spiraled out of control, and I thought, I think when we spoke. Um, I called it self-medicating, um, <laughs> but I suppose you would call it addiction um, and uh, took off on a, on a downward spiral, um, was very shame, shamed um, by the breakdown of the relationship. There was children involved, which I felt guilty about leaving, and um, but I... I felt that I, I couldn't I couldn't uh, couldn't go on anymore in that relationship. It wasn't going to be beneficial for anyone, uh, especially the kids. So um, after the breakup, I spiraled out of control. Um, I got some pretty some pretty um, deep depression, um, some um, self medicating reasons for that as well, no doubt, um, with the addiction and probably felt like I was better off not being around in this world anymore. So um, got, yeah, got to a pretty low point and then, yeah, I suppose that, that was my down point. Um, at the time, I, I suppose everyone's got a point in their life where, or, or a moment you get to the fork in the road, the crossroads sort of thing. And that fork in my road, um, my best mate, his brother, <clears throat> had um, a son who had a, uh, a tumour in his brain and it was an aggressive one. Um, they found out about it. Um, he, he was renovating his house and being a carpenter by trade, he was renovating his house. And I said, if there's anything I can do to help out, um, he said, well, if you could, could you help me get this renovation done so um, we, we can get the family into the house and we can try and create some normality and, and um, a bit of a loving household. So we organised a bit of a working bee um, and got them into the house. Um, on the Friday night, they moved in. And on the Sunday afternoon, um, his son, um, who was four at the time, I think, around the same age as my daughter, um, was four at the time, and he passed away. And that was the point <clears throat> in my life where I uh, had to look in the mirror and say, listen, Trav, what are you doing? Obviously, having a the, around the same age daughter um, probably wasn't spending what I thought was enough time with her um, and decided that it was time for me to either um, put up or, or shut up. So I decided to go down the right track, I suppose you'd call it, um, and through a lot of help from some wonderful people, um, probably a handful of people that helped me through, um, uh, as well as some positive mindset and some um, positive thinking and looking into a bit of mindfulness and stuff like that, I um, I eventually pulled myself 
out of the gutter, I suppose you would say. So that's that's my story of um, of what happened to me. But yeah, it was it was pretty bad at, in, in, uh, <laughs> for a while there. So yeah, you sort of touched on some of these things when we met. It was interesting to talk to the dude that presents now because you've got an energy, you've got you exude health, um, you've got a vibe that just emits positivity. And um, I don't know, I kind of walked away from that thinking that often we look at the finished product and we focus on the finished product. But I guess one of the things about this podcast is we we do want to explore the work in progress, uh, the skill sets, and sort of, I guess, celebrate in a way the highs and the lows because that's just part and parcel of landing in a human body. Mate, so... How does this connect now? Because my understanding is you, you've done some work talking to talking to guys in in footy clubs, and let me tell you, dude, I, I've worked in some interesting spaces, but I can't imagine um, that's got to be a pretty challenging landscape to go into that environment. I, I mean, initially, and sort of bandy such terms around as mental health and. Mm mindfulness and things mate what's the story there well yeah it is a bit of taboo isn't it like up until i suppose i went back to frankston bombers which is the club that i had been at for a long time and hats off to the president at the time for bringing in a um a welfare program you'd call it called outside the locker room um and that um sort of opened my eyes to how much um, it was needed at, at especially grassroots local football. Um, and they had some presenters um, that I really connected with. I remember one night um, one of the um, presenters, James Harding, um, he presented one night and I it was just, it was like we were the same person. So, you know, diff- slightly different stories, but, you know, along the same lines and I just connected. And at the end of his presentation, he he said, does anyone want to get up and talk about what what they had gone through? And I, I stepped forward and then I wow. pulled back and I was like, I can't, no, 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 I can't do this. The people at the footy club, at the time I was coaching um, and the people at the footy club um respect me well I think they respect me um I don't want to put in an, an you know a negative a vibe of 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 myself and I didn't want to put myself out there I suppose but um learning that making yourself vulnerable um and and having those conversations um which I have later on um have of um yeah and and the program itself was just sensational and I went away from that and learnt a lot from that and I've put in place a lot of stuff that we do now. I'm involved with Peninsula Raiders now, which is an over-35s football club um, based in Mornington. And basically we've started a, well, in COVID um, this time last year, or was in, yeah, I think it was July last year, um, obviously we got locked down. We couldn't play footy and a lot of guys love their footy and, and it was just something that we could all connect. And we started off with a, a mate of mine who's in the police force, suffered from PTSD, 
um, he spoke and he was, it was so raw and it was emotional. And from that time, um, everyone just opened up. And each week for about 10 weeks, we had a different, um, different person telling their story and it just grew legs. And, you know, I'm, it's just amazing to see middle-aged guys opening their heart to each other. And I think it's brought the club closer together um, and the, the love and the care for one another is just amazing. And, you know, the stuff that I've done and the stuff that they support me with is just unbelievable, unbelievable. So it's an interesting thing, isn't it? Once we remove that concept of, oh, this is just me. Everyone else is kicking ass and I'm just the one that sucks and I'm the only one that struggles. Having having dabbled <laughs> with depression and anxiety myself, like having a pretty busy history on the old dance card, one of the commonalities that would come up for me was just like, oh, mate, you suck. Like you are dropping the ball and have a look at everyone else just, which of course is, is mythology, but it took me a long time and I'm, you know, guessing similar to an experience of what what you sort of went through and what you facilitated, Trav, is I just feel a weight lifted off my shoulders, dude, the moment someone else tells me that they're a mess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't change the fact that I'm still a mess, dude. But just knowing that other people are messy too, it just releases that pressure. And I'm curious when, for example, when you stepped forward or, or the other men in the group stepped forward, was that the experience? Was there a recognition of commonality well we, we, you know it's very cathartic really um to tell your story and and um you know what i suppose you realize you're not alone in in that you know in in those those times um yeah you, you sometimes you feel like you're stuck in the corner and you can't get out and you don't know what to do and you're very shameful of what's happened and, and stuff like that but when there's someone else and you know, the biggest thing that I find is just listening to people, just oh. letting them tell you their story um, and you can see the weight coming off their shoulders, you know, and you, I get so much reward from them at the end of our conversation or, you know, the night I did my talk, um, I, I was, you know, I was shitting bricks to be fair, um, <laughs> about telling my story. You know, everyone knows me as this fit guy and he's, you know, loves his footy and, you know, he's got the, you know, it, seems, it puts out a positive vibe, as you say, but deep down, you know, you've got this, this story that you don't want people to know about and um, the support you get from after after talking about it. I had, you know, I think on the night we had, I had 30 guys on the Zoom and I think, you know, 20 or 21 of those guys sent me a message straight after saying, that was so amazing. I really appreciate what you've done. Um, so I, I think just listening sometimes is the biggest gift you can give in, in that space, just listening and un understanding and not judging, not judging uh, people. Do you think over the years um – things are improving for Australian men in that regard in that, you know, the cliche is that guys like to, to step in and do stuff and are not, are not 
very good at kind of listening or just sitting with pain and discomfort, you know, hearing someone's kind of story. It tends to be much more of an active kind of role. Have you noticed a shift in in your life where it's, I feel anyway, it's becoming much more okay for guys in Australia to to be a bit more open, be a bit more vulnerable um, and just wondering you know, what your observations are around that. Definitely. If, you, if we had had this conversation five or six years ago, um, I would say it's, you know, it's just, it's a non-event. We don't talk about it. Whereas now, um, and putting in place these sort of things where you, it is okay, you know, I, I do work with um, a charity, It's Okay Not To Be Okay, um, that's formed off the back of three sisters and their brother committed suicide. Um, and just the stigma, you know, to, to, you know, it is okay if you are not okay, you know what I mean? It's, and, yes, uh, the, the, the answer to your question is, the guys that I've worked with in the last three years and at the at Frankston Bombers before that, there's much more um, sense of feeling okay to talk about things, whereas when I first started footy, you couldn't even talk about your feelings, whereas now I think it's it's much, much better, much more open and, and, and honest as well. Yeah, I, I sometimes wonder reflecting on my own experience raised by my dad was a wonderful dude, but probably didn't have a ton of skill sets to impart to me. And, you know, the older I get, the more I reflect on that. That's just, it was what it was. He, his father in turn, didn't probably have a lot of skill sets to impart to him. So I'm sort of curious about what sort of skill sets have resonated with you on your journey? And what I love about this podcast is I'm always curious. Mindfulness is something different for, for each individual. So on your journey, what did mindfulness look like for you? What was the stuff that resonated with you? I suppose at the start, um, I was just trying to trying to find a light at the end of the tunnel sort of thing. I was trying to find some some positive stuff to look forward to. And I'm, during footy, I've been massive on setting goals. And um, so I would set little goals for myself, whether that was a bit more time with my daughter, helping out mates and stuff like that. That's how it sort of started off. And I suppose that rolled into research, into a bit of mindfulness and, and, and what that meant for me because a lot of people it means different things and you know i've, I've listened to yes. your podcast and i've you know listened to you know yoga instructors and i've i never got into the i've done a little bit of yoga but not the spiritual side of yoga um and stuff like that for me mindfulness is is taking time for myself and whether that is recently <laughs> It hasn't been lately, but recently where there was a bit of a, a dip in my life with my ex and my daughter and some stuff go on, um, and that that spent, sent me down, down, the, down the hill again, you know, and I had to start climbing back up. And what I found was in the morning I'd get up early um, and I'd get a bit stiff and sore from exercise, so I'd get on the foam roller and I'd get up in the morning and do like 10 minutes on the foam roller. And at the end of the 
doing the stretching and, and, and rolling, I'd just try and, while it was dark and there's no one around and it's quiet, just work on some breathing techniques and just try and em- empty the mind as, as best you can. It's, it's hard because <laughs> I've heard on one of your podcasts before, you, you're constantly thinking, you know, your mind's racing all the time, especially in the morning. I've got to do this today. I've got to do that today, you know. And I think, I think for me, just trying to take a bit of time, work on breathing. Mine's not a really spiritual mindfulness, but I suppose positive energy and the positive mindset, you know. I've listened to a lot of the Resilience Project. I think what mm. uh, what Hugh Van Kylenberg does is pretty cool. And uh, I try and be really grateful for what I've got and what I not for what I don't have. Um, mm. Whereas we're all driven, I think when we're younger, especially me, you're driven by money and you want money and you think that's a way of being liked, I suppose. Oh, he's got money, you know. But I think the later I get in life, the more I understand that money doesn't drive me anymore. What drives me is to help people and and set people on their journey and, you know, whether they might be struggling, you know, that how can I help some of them people? And that's why I got into the gym side of things. I really want to see people reach their goals, whether that's, you know, losing weight or um, just getting a little fitter for something or, you know, challenge, you know, doing a challenge. You know, I want to run a half marathon or a marathon, you know, stuff like that. So I, that's what I get a bit of kickback from. That's what I really enjoy. And I suppose the empathetic side of things is, once again, that that listening, mm. asking people what's going on and if they're all right. You know, I got a little saying. I heard, I think I saw it on a on an "It's okay not to be okay" post one day. Be kind and thoughtful to the person next to you because you just don't know what they're going through. And I did a job recently, you know, for a guy, and he's Australian captain of the lacrosse side when he was younger and stuff like that. And he a big tough tradie, and we got talking and. I ended up talking to him for an hour and in the end he was in tears and I was in tears and we ended up embracing. I gave him a big hug and I said, Ken, I'm going to get you to the footy club because I want you to talk in front of the footy club to tell them what you've been through. And he said, mate, that would be amazing. I would love that. And just, just talking to people about their life and connecting with people, I think that's that's the key and that's that's sort of what I go off, boys. That's sort of how I roll. So there seems to be yeah, a big thread from the from the moment you started talking of this idea of, of like gratitude. You've you've used that word a number of times during um, uh, tonight's um, podcast, and uh, and of, of kind of giving back. That part of the way you kind of yes. look after yourself is through connecting with others and and giving back and helping them get through. Is that sort of what a day-to-day kind of thing looks like for you? Is it something that you incidentally work into situations like the example you just shared with the the lacrosse guy? Or is there some kind of more formalized way in which you're kind of um, out there helping people? I suppose it is, yeah. I mean, I'm lucky enough that through the COVID lockdowns, pandemic, whatever you want to call it, I'm in construction. So I've still had a job. I've still been able to work. I've still bought in an income, whereas a lot of my mates in small business have been, you know, crucified by a lot of stuff, um, especially my mate who is well, my business part- partner in, in the gym. Like, it's just, 
I don't know. I just, I love connecting with people. So if I go into a job, I, I try and be really bubbly and upbeat and talk to people and I'm interested to know everyone's story. So yeah, I, I must admit it's not a routine, but it's just trying to be pleasant and nice and kind when you meet someone. And I think that's, that's the key for me. And that's, you know, I get to see three to four new people I've never met in my life every day when I go into install their blinds and curtains. And some of those people are rich snobs who don't want to talk to you at all. And you find <laughs> other people that, well, most of the time, the people who are who are battlers and they're putting up cheap, cheap ass blinds and you know, you talk to them and they've they've got the story. You know, they've had the same issues and and stuff like that. And and you just connecting with people i think it's fantastic and you know the stuff we do the charity ride and it's just i talk about the things i'm passionate about um if i see a bike in their garage i say oh do you ride you know it's connecting you know and and just with with their passions as well what i'm hearing from your story is you've kind of shifted your viewpoint or you've shifted what you tend to focus on. So during the darker times, during the, the down times, it's hard for us not to focus on the negative. Yeah. And I guess what I'm hearing from you is through the progression is your default setting seems to have shifted. You do seem to have a more positive viewpoint. You're kind of coming across as that guy that's going, look, how can I help? Mm. This person that I'm meeting is just potentially a friend I haven't met yet which I personally find inspirational and I also find that talking with a, a good dude like yourself, it's a good reminder because sometimes even with all my experiences and practices with mindfulness, I can get the poo-poo hat on. And, and, and even when you said you, caught, you sort of slipped down again, it sounds like you didn't slip as far and you recovered quicker, faster, whatever the word is which I guess is because of your experience and, and, and the skill sets. But is that fair? Because it does seem like you look at things from a different perspective now. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And I think as you get older, and especially with the mindfulness side or, or my mental health, a lot of it revolves around um, I understand my triggers ah, yes. better now and I, I understand – what I need to do if I do have those triggers, you know. I find a lot of the time, and I tell everyone this, that my flat line is I need to be doing some kind of exercise on a regular yes. basis. Now, whether, whether that is an F45 session, go for a jog, walk with the, walk with the family, ride with my two oldest kids, you know, um, just doing doing stuff where you can, you know, I've got a, a bit of a ride group and we try and torture each other when we go out for a ride, <laughs> you know. Um, and But you come back and the endorphin release and how good you're feeling and, you know, it, it's, I've, I've realised that exercise is one of the key factors in my life that I need because I, I can, you know, correlate when I'm not mm. doing well I haven't exercised for a while and, you know, I keep putting it off and keep putting it off. And if I'm not in that good spot, I keep going, oh, I'll do it next week. I'll do it next week, you know, and, and you just got to jump in the deep end sometimes and 
and just get after it. So one of the key things for me is understanding my triggers better and the exercise point of view as well. You talked, Trav, a bit before about um, uh, self-medication. Would you say exercise has become that that sort of new form of self-medication and do you have any other kind of um, tips or practices that you employ as an alternative to perhaps some less less wholesome things that we can medicate ourselves with? Yeah, I suppose I've changed my addiction from, you know, from something you, you get out of the bag to, um, you know, something you, you get on a, on a bike and pedal, pedal around with a couple of mates. We talk about mindfulness and meditation. I suppose my meditation sometimes is just getting on a bike and, and releasing all your frustrations or... When I was younger, if I'd had a bad day or, you know, fighting with the missus or, or something like that, I'd go for a run and I'd go for a 5K run and I'd just torture myself and I'd come back and I'd feel great. And I suppose, yeah, the addiction just changes. I'm a very addictive personality. Um, I suppose the addiction changes in that sense um, for sure. And and as I say, that the the helping people i get a lot i get a lot of reward from from feeling good about helping people you know i think you you get rewarded far more by giving than you you know receiving gifts and stuff like that i'd rather you know give the gift of of as i said before just listening and and being there for someone so yeah, I, that um, it resonates with me and, and Jad's over the years heard me talk ad nauseum about the importance of exercise in, in my mental health. It's just, it's like a maintenance routine. Um, I think our bodies like to do difficult stuff. I think our bodies like to do whatever that is for, for any individual. Further to that, you're the proprietor of a, of a fitness business I think, I, I suspect that the way you do it or what you would bring to that entity would be different. What needs to come to fitness in terms of moving away from just looking buff and looking great? How do we how do we incorporate some of these ideas that we're talking about? Uh, well, my, my long-term goal at, at, at F45 Hastings um, is to incorporate like these sort of thought patterns, you know, whether it is having a, a welfare night um, and just I'd love to, in these COVID times, you can't, but I'm a massive hugger. So <laughs> I'd love, I love, you know, at the minute it's just high fives and even then you've got to wash your hands first and then high five on the on, as the people finish the class. But I'm, I'm massive on, on creating a community and and you know, with the members, they're already, from what I can tell, really excited by our plans and stuff like that. I, you know, I'm I'm big on my recovery, and I'm looking to, you know, get some mindfulness or, or, or well-being sort of um, uh, sessions. I suppose you'd call it. I don't know what you call it. Just what we're doing. That I suppose you'd call them sessions. Um, I'm not a counselor. I don't claim to be. I'm not trying to, um, you know, be that that counselor for people. But you know, if things get too rough, you know, I, I've got I've got people I know that I can outsource to to help people in mm. that respect. But 
getting back to your question, I, I think just just showing care for people um, and making them feel like they are in a, in a close knit community, and 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 that, that's that's my long term goal, and I think it has merits, and I think it's something that will work um, long term, and. Yeah, I'll, we'll see, I suppose, guys, won't we? So. <laughs> As I mentioned to you, Trev, when we met, I've, I've been in the fitness industry for a long time. And yeah. shifting the focus to sort of say, look, this is an incorporation into your lifestyle, you know. Um, we, we hear these things, but I think it's useful when we even shift the concept of fitness into that landscape of preventative medicine, don't even know if that's a proper word, yeah. Jad. Is that a word? Um, it's when we sort of, you know, we prevent because um, we know there's overwhelming data in terms of the prevention of, of comorbidities, which, by the way, we also know the majority of people in this country die of. It's it's comorbidities. It would be an interesting idea to sort of incorporate that and say, look, this is this is the vehicle that you, that carries your consciousness around. Let's give it a bit of TLC. Let's let consider that. But further to that, what I've always been interested in is the intersectionality between how we practice mindfulness and compassion and how we practice exercise. I've always taught mindfulness as, look, these are just skill sets. And the more skillful you are and the more timely your utilization, the, the better experience that you're going to have. Much the same as with fitness. These modalities are just skill sets. The, the more you learn and the more you apply, the, be, the better results or potentially, statistically, the better experience you'll have of functionality and, and health in, into later life. But I'm curious, like when, when you were sort of in those down times, what was the role of fitness? What was the role of, of health and wellness in, in those times? Well, being involved in footy, for 25, six years now, um, that was probably the catalyst, to be honest. Um, I love the banter and catching up with the boys and just the good times you have at training, whether that's on the on the ground or off the ground, you know, just talking rubbish to one another and, you know, um, that playfulness um, around the place. I suppose the biggest thing for me is I went back, I'd retired from footy and I went back. Um, I was extremely overweight and um, really, really badly out of nick. And I suppose being welcomed back to the club and and getting that, you know, that routine, um, the routine, the fitness routine. And as we both know, with the exercise, the exercise, you know, um, makes you feel better about yourself. Um, and then from that brings positivity and that brings confidence. And and then it all snowballs and, and it just it keeps going. And um, I suppose for me the biggest thing was getting back to the footy club where I love to be and, you know, and there's, as I said, there's a couple of people who quite possibly saved my life um, as well as what happened um, to my mate's mate's son, um, but there was a few, you know, his brother um, and his wife. I spent countless hours on the couch wow. at their house. Another mate who was, you know, who was always there for me um, was, you know, just just a few people, just those people that come into your life that that mean a lot to you and are there for you. Um, and that that support probably got me through 
a fair bit of those downtimes and and as you say and then and then working on yourself you know that as i say doing a little bit of research and and into that you know um positive headspace and stuff like that so yeah that that's what turned me around i mean you need that that instance in your life that that fork in the road and then once you choose the path you're going to go down well then as i say then i was headstrong about getting there and i knew that if i put my mind to anything that i i can get there and and so that 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 got me across the line i suppose Mm. yeah i think in some ways what i'm hearing you say is you can perform i don't want to say like in the old fitness language used to be you can perform your way to success but in some ways you can start to make a sequence of more skillful decisions which can lead you to the mm. experience of more positive outcomes. I mean, would would you say that's fair? Yeah, absolutely, for sure, definitely. To me, that's interesting. And I, I remember, Jed, when you were talking about your experience of, you know, running, distance running, and I'm curious, does anything re- resonate in terms of the fitness stuff we're talking about? Mm. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. I definitely can't run very fast at all, but certainly like like to do it. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think fitness is such a huge part of, well, being in our bodies. And I think what exercise helps me in is being able to sit with that discomfort for a little bit longer, but then you've achieved something at the end. And the flow on benefits is that you have, you know, endorphins and endocannabinoids and all of these kind of feel-good hormones. But it's also that that sense of achievement and that sense of kind of testing yourself. And there's 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 always parallels for me with with running and and some of my experiences in in my kind of emotional life, where it's sometimes it's it is a matter of just kind of getting through a dark period or getting through a difficult feeling, you can't magically make it go away. You know, I've shared on the podcast before, I've had like depression and anxiety on and off my whole life and been a big fan of self-medicating in various <laughs> forms as well over the years. And um, running sort of is this kind of parallel where I can experience this discomfort and push through it and there's this kind of joy in that. There's this joy in the discomfort, which I think is something perhaps lacking a bit in um, some modern dialogues on wellness and well-being and it, it's sort of all about the positive and it's 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 all about you know avoiding triggers and and not you know not re-traumatizing yourself and and whilst there is a space where we need to kind of be um, protective of people who are extremely vulnerable there's also a space we need to step into where we do kind of test ourselves where we do kind of stretch our capacity to sit with discomfort and i think for me for me that that was running but for other people it'll be various other movement practices have you found that in your like your f45 groups or or with the footy clubs you've worked in that that aspect that transcending pain and discomfort to achieve something better has a kind of parallel process with people's emotional sort of lives yeah definitely well when, when we're at f45 um in Somerville so I was part of f45 in Somerville which my business partner owns that that studio and um we we did Kokoda together um there was a group of us the, the we called ourselves the 5amers because of 5am class in the morning uh, I think there was 12 of us on the Kokoda and 
some of the, you know, the bonding that, that happened through torture, um, you know, um, was just amazing. Um, you know, even the training and, and working together as a team and, and stuff like that, as you say, you know, being fulfilled. I suppose one of the, the big stories that I took away from Kokoda is I'm one of those guys that wants to be up the front and charging up the hills and, you know, I wanted to do that. And for me, Kokoda was a big difference. There was a girl on the, on the, on the tour with a Shan and she was, she was struggling. She had a sore knee and she was just really, really, really struggling. And for me, helping her for the first couple of days to get through those couple of days and say, right, Oshan, we're going to get it. And she's at the point where ring a chopper, Trav, I've got to get out of here. I'm, I'm, I've got to go. And I said, no, Shan, let's let's work to work the next hill and we'll have a break and we'll go again. And and just stuff like that and, and building her positive mindset, you know, from from the uh, you know, from the torture we were going through a little bit, you know, it was that was <laughs> It was really, really rewarding to see. And by the fourth day, she was up the front, you know. So it just proves that your body can do anything. It's just your your mental side of things to get you get you going through that is the key. Yeah, there's an old saying in martial arts, Trav, the uh the body is the army, but the mind is the general. And look, I have yeah. a theory, and I'm so glad you mentioned you touched on that, Jad, in that we live in an age where we're not great with discomfort. You know, we're getting cars now that park themselves and cameras everywhere, so you don't even need to turn your neck anymore. We're, we're getting, you know, seats that warm themselves or cool themselves with multi, multi-dual zones of cooling and heating, and we stream everything now. We don't wait. Where is the biological, the primordial space for embracing difficulty? It resonates with me both of you what you're saying because there's that element of in your own physical practice being whatever it is of just being able to observe of going oh wow this sucks i am making deals with myself every four seconds to stop i have i am creating the most compelling narrative as to why i should go home and eat chocolate mousse and it's interesting to me that's an element of mind mindfulness too. Like that's mindfulness in motion because you're aware of what's going on. You're like, gee whiz, I really want to stop now. Um, but there's that element of going, but that's not me, and that's not that's not all that's happening. Um, so yeah, how do we how do we do this, gentlemen? It's a little think tank here. How do we sort of get better at embracing discomfort without maybe potentially taking 10 or 20 years back in terms of defining that as masculinity. Who wants to have a go at that one? (laughs) (laughs) You can go first if you want, Jad. (laughs) I mean, it's it's a huge question to unpack. It is. Well, do you know what I mean, though? You know what I mean, right? Like we we should be able to deal with a bit of suck, but we don't want it to be defined by, oh, that's masculinity. We've talked on the show before about the the sort of the different sides of compassion. That there's the the nurturing, tending, befriending, caring, um, sitting with aspect of compassion, and we could call that the feminine in in more kind of um, cliched sort of senses. And then there's the the masculine side of compassion, which is the you know taking action, providing, protecting, encouraging, motivating. 
And I think within, I guess it's the yin-yang kind of principle again, within that yang of compassion of taking action and, and encouraging people to be able to sit with a bit of discomfort to, to you know, to, to go in and a race or an event or something like that that might be challenging or to do an ice bath or something. It's, it's about having that experience but still having that little bit of the yin there of being able to acknowledge that it's difficult, sit with the fact that that person might be finding it hard. And your example from Kokoda is, is sort of perfect. You Normally you're charging ahead but in that moment you're like, now this person's really struggling and I can be I can be a support here. I can be the the quiet voice of encouragement that gets her through that suffering and struggle because even though it was difficult, it was going to be really important for her. And you knew that. You sensed into that and you were willing to step in. You could have just called the helicopter and shipped her out or just sort of ignored her and hoped that she caught up, but you 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 volunteered to step in and 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 provide sort of assistance. So that I see is that kind of both aspects, the 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 masculine and the feminine aspects of compassion. You were needed to be sensitive enough to notice that she was struggling, and also to tune in enough that she felt she could trust you, and then provide the encouragement and motivation. Is did that did that go along the lines of approaching that question with um a response, Mike? It went on a journey, and I loved it. <laughs> I reckon I framed I reckon I framed my question un, uh, unskillfully so here's what I wanted to get at and then we'll reframe the question properly but right when I learned martial arts I learned from a traditional Chinese teacher and and I learned this attitude informally but it was dealt out regularly so I'd be doing something he'd tell me to go do 20 kicks and I'd start going oh oh my legs a bit sore and he'd just look at me and go yep and I'd be like oh okay keep going or I'd come in another day and I'd I'd be like pretty tired you know I'm a bit sick and you know whatever and he'd go okay cool thanks for the update go do your work I probably wouldn't want my kids these days trained as I was. We we used to just he'd tell us to stand on one leg, Trav, to to strengthen our kicking, and then just go walk and look out the bloody window. Honestly, for five minutes, it's a fucking long time to stand on one leg. You know what I mean? And if one dude dropped his leg down, he just wouldn't need to turn. He'd go and start again. But that but that built so much of me. Like not to be too much of a stoic, and I'm professionally curious about this because the best results that I've had with clients is is kind of going, okay, thanks for the update. Let's get going. Bit of tough love type of thing. Can we have both? What's the balance on that? And is the risk is the risk the progress that we've made? I, th- I think from my point of view, you sort of spot on. I think in my you know upbringing with my old man, he was super disciplined, but I call it hard but fair, right? Um, and I think I think that moulded a bit of resilience in me. Um, and yeah, I think mentally, I, I look back at when I was a kid, and I suppose it built me, my resilience up and made me, um, you know, made me mentally tougher. And when I was younger, I thought. Depression was a sort of sign of weakness, you know, mentally weak. But you look at things now and it's a lot, lot different, you know, especially 
the way things go. But from my point of view, um, when I was growing up, it probably definitely moulded me and gave me a lot, a lot more resilience, that that tough love. Because I always wanted to, I was like, oh, you know, stuff you. I want to, you know, I want to show you that I can do this. And, you know, that's the same as, I suppose, your karate teacher, in a sense. You're like, all right, well, I'll just do this. I'll stand on one foot longer then and I'll show you that I can do it. So, but these days, I don't know, I think from being a, 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 um, a boss and having lots of young kids, I think um, kids are, of today, um, I don't know, a, a, a bit more, I don't know, what's, what's, what's the word? Maybe a bit more mentally mm. fragile than than we were when we were growing up, um, and whether that's you know I don't know due to society or not having enough karate teachers or not having enough harder harder dads. But I definitely think now that the softer side and that vulnerable side there's definitely a place, and that compassionate you know empathetic side um, helps as well. But yeah, I think yeah. Well, from my point of view, I still have a a bit of yin and yang in my life with my kids mm. anyway, you know. They fall over. Come, mate, get up. You'll be right. Um, whereas a lot of people are like, oh, my God, are you okay? Are you going to be okay? And stuff like that. So that's my point of view. I think there's still a place for both. The alchemy is potentially and the and the emergent journey is getting the balance right, isn't it? It is, mm. yes, 100%. I think where we've progressed is – We've got an awareness of the need for both. We've got tool, tools in either department. But I think there's a lot of work still to be done in the construction of its best practice. And I really respect the way that you're doing it, Trav. I do think it's in community. I do think, I do think there's a mm. ritualistic element that's lost in society. We do need to come together um, in this instance in, in groups and sharing experiences. Uh, that that is obviously best best manifest informally in the footy club. But geez, what what incredible stuff you unlocked when you when you kind of formalized that and actually said, no, we're gonna make a forum to speak. Hmm. It's definitely been been an eye opener for for myself and and the footy club as well. I think the the footy club. I'm sure you speaking with Mick, you'd you'd understand that it's really been beneficial for everyone at the club. And I just hope that we can, you know, my another little motto is if I can save one person, that's that's enough. You know, you stop one person from um, being in the situation I was in, where we no no longer want to be around. Um, yeah, if we can stop that from happening for just one person then job done we've done we've done a great job in our in our life amen brother i feel like we should steer the crazy bus home it would be remiss of us however if i didn't pose this question to you has your experience of self-compassion shifted trav yes i suppose i suppose it definitely would as I said before, knowing my triggers and, and knowing to be when to be kind to myself, I'm one person that takes on heaps and heaps of stuff. You know, I'm, I'm always busy. I'm always flat out. 
never more so at the moment as well, you know, up at four every morning, get to the gym, open up, get everything set up. you got to look after yourself. you really got to look after yourself. And especially as we get a bit older, the you know, the eating, I think you've got a nutrition background, Jad. Yeah. So mm-hmm. yeah. what we put in our body, the amount of sleep we get, it all adds up and being kind to yourself. And as I say, giving you that time and, yeah, I think definitely, definitely it's it changes. You know, your thought process has changed so much about, about that sort of things. When we were younger, I used to thrash my body and, and not care about what I was doing and, you know, not care about myself that much. And now one thing I've been told, especially in the mental health space, is if you don't love yourself and care about yourself first, then you can't help someone else because if you're not looking after number one, you can't look after number two, three, four, and five because you know you're not in the good headspace as it is. So yeah, definitely change mindsets changed on self-compassion, that's for sure. You uh you indeed have to help the helper, don't you? <laughs> you do, you do, absolutely. Yeah. And Finding that balance, mate. I, I wish someone could write a book about work-life helping out balance because, um, yeah, if we knew the, the the key to that, we'd be laughing, wouldn't we? Yes, my friend, we would. But, look, it's all about forums to share information. It's all about making conversation safe. It's all about modelling vulnerability, I think. And, my friend, thank you so much for, for being a voice on this little thing here we call a podcast. I am mindful as uh, as a man who needs to get up at 4am. It's an act of compassion to let you sign off and <laughs> go get some sleep. But, mate, if people did want to find out more about your work, how would, how would be the best way for them to do that? I suppose the best way is get in touch with the F45 studio, you know, all our socials, stuff like that listeners to this podcast get a, a free membership is that is that correct or yeah we can do something for <laughs> don't them, worry mate sure. there's only about two of them <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, well mate i love what you guys are doing i love what you guys are doing and when we need more people doing what you guys are doing and, and getting the word out um one thing i will mention is um we're organizing a charity bike ride in in march and look up on the socials, check out Facebook um, for Ride for Relief. That's a way of getting in touch with me or, or F45 Hastings um, on Facebook. Once again, we can get in touch with me that way. But Ride for Relief, it's it's going to be massive. It's a six-day tour from Malacuda all the way back to the Peninsula Hot Springs Jeez. in Rye. That's on motorbikes, um, yeah? No, no. Oh, I'm out. I'm out. That's just, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's part, part of the support crew, Mike. Yes. But, um, yeah, it's going to be huge in association with, as I say, the Peninsula Hot Springs, Charles and Yuki down there, amazing people. And Mentis Assist, which is a, a great support, mental health support network on the Mornington Peninsula, um, doing amazing things. So hit us up on, on, on either of those two socials. And, yeah, we can get in touch with me that way. 
Awesome, my brother. Well, thank you once again. And look, Jad, I suspect this is going to be another individual that will be a frequent flyer on this podcast. Absolutely. It looks like we'll need to hear from you after the ride for relief as well and find out how all, all that went. Yeah, oh, I'd love to love to tell you guys all about it. And even on the last day, on the Sunday, the 27th of March, boys come down and uh, you can be special guests of uh, of myself and the and the and the guys down there at the Peninsula Hot Springs come down for a free bathing session oh. and uh, get uh, yeah we get have you got any merch have you got any kind mess merch yet you raise a really good point Jet where Very. are we up to with that <laughs> 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 uh, 